Good evening, and welcome back to another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy Rob. What's going on, Rob? Nothing. Good afternoon, everyone. Yes, good afternoon. We are recording this at an undisclosed time on Monday, um, so we do not know what's happened today or will happen later in the women's basketball game that was rescheduled for today. This, um, this, this is a men's. Yeah, this sorry. is such. I mean, this season is such the it's the pickup for AAU tournament style. It's like <laughs> it's like who's got next? Uh, oh yeah, get a game. Um, I I sat down to prepare for this this morning, Rob, and I wrote like, "Oh, women's was postponed. We will just make this the men's hoop show." And I didn't even. I hadn't looked on the website. Like I didn't know. And then I saw a tweet being like, "They're playing at three o'clock." Yeah. <laughs> today. And I was like, what? Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, um, it's yes. It's before that on Monday. So we don't know anything about the women's team who did not play over the weekend against Northeastern, but is playing today and tomorrow against Northeastern. Uh, this is mostly the men's hoop show. So we're yep. going to have some fun with that. Um, big thanks as always to our friends at Mossy Creek fly fishing down in Harrisonburg. Those guys are back with us for the 2021 year and we'll have a lot more coming from them, but please go in support the shop. Um, mention us. And pick up whatever you need to stay warm out there. Um, I actually got to buy some gloves from them that I think are going to work for me recently. So, yeah, it should be cool. So we're going to get right into it. We're going to do a little bit around uh, JMU Sports, some catch up on some stuff. And then we're going to talk men's hoops and big, uh, a sort of big picture. We got a fun one today. Uh, We're going to talk about our the starting five all time that we have seen play for men's and women's hoops. So no so, Steve Hood. Right. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to get into. Rob's is actually, at least on the men's side, Rob's choices are significantly greater than mine um, <laughs> just by that two year difference. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> Rob was like before the dark ages, but yeah. yeah um, so it, the first thing tonight, we are going to start with football. It is 25 days till kickoff, Rob. They are practicing. Uh, I'm sure we both saw the Greg Medea article. I encourage everyone to go read that um, in the Daily News record. Signetti's quote was, they are full go. They are really excited. I mean, I'm sure that some of that is the coach saying, you know, trying to motivate the troops a little bit. But I did think he was right. that, And it made me feel a little better as a fan um, for him to say, you know, the players really need this. The coaches really need this for their own mental health Mm -hmm. right now. Um, And that made me feel a little better about the spring season after you and I have both Struggled with it a little bit. Yeah, I, did. Um, I felt the same way. Did you? Yeah. And um, the the two pieces in that, I mean, I, I guess we'll just, before we get to current football, Aaron Stinney and Josh Wells are going to the Super Bowl, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, mean, this is fantastic. <laughs> Stinney in particular, it, it's crazy to go from basically, I mean, yeah. being rostered, but kind of not an afterthought. That That's an inner, that's disrespectful to say to him, but like just kind of a, a guy who was, there for depth and you know oh if he's if he ever gets the call will he be ready well he started the last two games <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. Start, and he played really well well from, yeah like from what i can tell i mean um yeah it was weird because wells had seemed he had played in a couple games i mean he yeah. wells plays on the uh like on the field goal and extra point block teams um, so he plays every game and he had played in a couple of games this season as a backup like when a guy got nicked up or whatever um, he had come in as a tackle. And of course, we've seen Wells in the league for seven or eight years. So there was no like, uh, is he ever going to make it kind of thing? You know, like he had made it um, where Stinney felt like more of the backup backup. And then the guy got hurt in the Washington game and Stinney came in and he started the last two games. And 
Tampa's going to the Super Bowl. And and a huge part of that seems to be because of the protection that Stinney and the line have provided, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the Fournette running game. I mean, everything about Tampa's offense has largely revolved around the line. Mm-hmm. And that was a team, weirdly, too, I think to, to Stinney's credit and Tampa's credit, I, I think I had seen a stat. They were one of the teams that had the they had the most consistency on their line in terms of injuries and COVID this year of like almost any like, team in the league like starters actually started. Yeah. Like the five starters had pretty much played, you know, 90% of the snaps throughout the season, which was highly unusual, especially in this season. And so for a guy to be tapped at this late stage to come in and play so well, is just awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, you know, I, I can't say it's hard to root for Tampa for various, like for various reasons. Um, but wow, what an opportunity. And yeah, there was a moment, uh, you know, congrats to Dean Marlowe on a great season. Um, there was a moment there in the first quarter when Buffalo jumped out early when I thought we really might have an all JMU Super Bowl, yeah. but we're definitely getting Stinney and Wells. And, you know, I looked at JMU, put a thing out about the guys who had been in the Super Bowl. And again, this is no shade to the practice, like the DJ Bryant, Richard Davis, practice player guys who have been in the Super Gene Bowl. Marlo too, for the, he was yeah. with the Panthers. Right. Right. But, but this was, um, you know, Gary Clark, Charles Haley, John DiFilippo as a coach are kind of the three that, you know, you would say they, they really played, you know, they were significant players. And this feels like it really is a chance for Stinney to be a significant player on a Super Bowl team. Yeah. I mean, this is really, really cool. And for a guy on the 2016 team, um, I saw Katie Harper and, you know, Bennett and them tweeting about, you know, it was so cool that they might get to have somebody they actually talk to and know. <laughs> like, yeah. So just good luck to Aaron and Josh. Uh, really exciting for the Dukes. Yeah, and ah, oh, just paying off everywhere. What a awesome thing. Um, yeah, it's fantastic to see him get a chance like that and and to really rise to the occasion. Yeah. And then back on the current team, uh, the Signetti quote got us excited. The one down part of that article was that I did not know that Jalen Green had gotten injured. Uh, kind of, we expected to be maybe the one of the star defensive players this year. Um, had gotten injured his knee at the end of the fall and will not be playing in the spring season. Um, I hope he's doing well. I hope he he is uh, you know ready to go in the fall. I, I don't know what else to say. That was a little bit of a downer to hear, but there's plenty. Of, they'd already moved Mike Green out to the defensive end spot. Uh, and they have quite a few transfers, transfers in the pipe. Yeah. From Florida and a, a guy from Minnesota. Yeah. 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 So they expecting to see quite a few guys get an opportunity, including maybe a couple freshmen too. So uh, I don't know what to, again, we're going to probably next week in the next two weeks, we are going to dive into the roster a little more and start putting our heads together about this season and what it's going to look like. I don't know. I'm sh- I assume that many teams have these same problems. So I don't know what to make of it. And then Rob, one exciting quote for you. No one has been a bigger Kendall Dean supporter than you have been yeah. the last few years. And he had kind of gotten lost in the shuffle a little bit last year after, after, after like the third or fourth week. Uh, his yeah. Definitely went down. Yeah. And he, and he had really broken out, you know, when he first came on the scene a couple years ago and had, yeah, we wondered last year, like, what's going to happen with Kendall Dean? And and Signetti was clearly, he's one of the guys that Signetti uh, mentioned that he thought 
he had done amazing work through COVIDs in terms of his body and really turning himself into, you know, potentially a real, real weapon, um, which is one of the positions that I think we had one of the only positions really that has like big question marks on offense. So uh, that was kind of exciting. So I don't have anything else on that. I just, it's 25 days till kickoff that. I was like, wow, that I did not expect that yeah, every I, week. I keep saying that, but it's crazy. I can't, I still can't wrap my head around it. I don't think it's going to hit me until probably kickoff. <laughs> like it's just, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I feel like the season sneaks up on me every year, but this year with, there's no cues whatsoever. You know, at least end of summer, you start to have some sort of cues with the weather, kids back to school or, or oh, whatever. Yeah. the spring. I don't know. It's, this is no man's land for me. Yeah, it really is. I know. I was thinking last spring, I actually went to the, uh, Spring went yet? to a DC Defenders game. No, the oh yeah, that in the, the short-lived XFL, and I think I was Abdullah. Abdullah was on the roster. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it, it just it, it, at that time, even going to that game felt weird because it just felt wrong. Right? Um, this is even weirder, but I I'm looking forward to it, and we'll get more into it soon. Well, I may come back with a comment about um. Yeah, the football part of it in a second. But what we really want to talk about, uh, you know, in terms of current events tonight is men's hoops, Rob. And I think there was some big news yesterday. (laughs) Well, beating Northeastern, you know, they got a split and it's so weird talking. I feel like we're talking about baseball or something. Uh Um, They split the weekend series in Northeastern, which Northeastern was picked to finish in the bottom half of the league, which was absolutely ridiculous. Um, I understand that they. Yeah, they, they lost a bunch of people, but they returned a lot. They got a lot of young talent. And Bill Cohen, until proven otherwise, is the best coach in the CAA. Mm-hmm. Um, that's nothing against – there's some other good coaches. I, I think JMU finally looks like like they've got one mm-hmm. in Byington. But, but Cohen just gets it done every year. And so I would think this year of all years, mm-hmm. he – you got to think Northeastern's going to be one of the favorites because he's the best coach and he's going to be able to navigate through this ridiculous scheduling and so on and so forth. And through the first seven games of the season, I think everything I'm saying has been proven correct. They were seven and zero. They'd beaten Hofstra a couple times. I mean, they'd just been taking care of business and starting to look like okay, it's going to be Northeastern and everybody else. And then all of a sudden they come along and you know beat JMU by double digits on Saturday. Um, really wasn't that close. JMU closed with what, a nine or 11 point run uh, in garbage time. But then Jamie responded with a double digit one of their own. And, and it was, I mean, it was legit. This wasn't like one of these things where you, you know, no. 15 of 16 threes. They just, they just beat them. And um, it's only one game, all that yada, yada, yada. But I don't know how you can't be at least a little excited for thinking, yeah. what can this team do? Um, they're, they're two and one in conference play with yeah. wins over Towson and Northeastern and a loss had, to Northeastern. They had yeah. two, two conference wins all last year. Um, they're putting together, you know, taking on all comers, getting whatever games they can against Chowin and Alice <laughs> Floyd, or I, I don't even, I've never heard of these schools, right. but to come in and take down the CAA's top team, um, Vato Morse is, appears to be the real deal. And he came with some degree of pedigree. I mean, he was the what, rookie of the year in the, in the NEC at Mount St. Mary's. Um, mm-hmm. everybody's excited about Amadi. I thought it was really impressive the way that Matt Lewis played. You know, mm-hmm. I always look when, when guys have days where their shot isn't falling, mm-hmm. I always like guys, this is kind of the old man in me, people that <laughs> just start going to the hole to get to the line. And, yeah. and Lewis, I think, what was he like? 
he had 10 or 12 free throws yesterday. He did exactly that. Um, he did not have a great night shooting from the field, but got his teammates involved, didn't force it, and just got to the line and, and was able to help them close it out. So um, Strickland had a big game rebounding. I mean, that, that guy has the real potential to be I like him. You know, yeah. just the glue guy who maybe emerges into something much more than that as an upperclassman as well, really Oscar should. needs it. You know, like I, he seems like a guy who's going to do what needs to be done. And I don't mean to get overly excited here, but think back, like my biggest example of that is Shane Battier. Remember every first two yeah. years, everybody's like, <laughs> oh, he's just this goofy defender and rebounder. Then also when they need him to, he's dropping 30 points a game as a senior. Right. Like, I, I don't think Strickland's going to be a Naismith award winner to that regard. Right. Um, but he seems like the type of guy who's just going to find a way to stay on the court. And has the skills where if they need him to be a lockdown defender as an upperclassman, I think he'd do that. If they need him to be a scorer, he looks like the type of guy that can do that. So I'm excited about this roster. I'm excited about yesterday's win, and I'm excited about Byington. I think this is this is an easy one to to get excited about, if not maybe even read too much into. Yeah, well, I, I think one of the you know you and I have measured for years our JMU men's team. One of the interesting things with us is how do our friends from other schools um, who either cover or support other schools in the conference, how do they view JMU? And JMU has been like largely an afterthought Mm -hmm. um, for many, many of these years. And there were, this perked up some people this weekend, right? There were some people um, who were like, wow, I didn't see JMU as the team that was going to, you know, take Northeastern down once, put the conference back in play. You know, the, um, and and they didn't. And as you said, it wasn't just like oh, JMU had a miracle game. They beat them seventy nine, seventy two in a pretty tough like start to finish performance, you know. And yeah, I thought that was fun. And I thought there was a little bit of a it's one game, so can't get too excited, especially coming off the loss on Saturday. But this was kind of for me. It looked like the formula, which was what you were talking about about Lewis and the free throws. They need one or two other guys. Like Lewis is going to draw all the attention from the opposing team. And they need somebody else, whether it's one or two players, to click. They need a couple other guys to have a good night and then let Lewis close. And like Lewis made all the plays that like he had the last four free throws to kind of ice the game. You know, they could put the ball in his hand at the end, even on nights he's not, you know, shooting all that great. And he's going to make the right plays. And they got the 30 points from Morse. But they also got double digits from what Strickland and I think Julian Wooden had 10 points too. So they just, it's kind of balanced to get to that 79. And it didn't, it wasn't just Lewis had 40 and that's how they got to 79. Like they need one other guy to get hot. And then, and Morse seems like the most capable at the moment. But if they can get some performances from anyone else, I think Lewis being the preseason conference player of the year can you hope he can take them home like he did yesterday if they're there at the end. And they had blown a few earlier in the season where it just felt like it was Lewis and the same way Lewis has felt the last two or three years, you know? So this felt a little more sustainable um, and really hopeful for the men. Um, They play Towson again on Wednesday and just in good news for fans, uh, this game is at JMU and it's on Masson at four o'clock on Wednesday. So this is not – if you're in the Masson territory, you can watch this game with or without Flow Sports. <laughs> so that's kind of cool for JMU fans. Look out for them. You can really you – know, hopefully they don't disappoint us after this big performance. 
Yeah. But uh, yeah, they. I mean, that was a legit win. You know, anytime you beat the best team in the conference, that feels legit. And for them, a team we haven't seen much of, and they only played three games while Northeastern's played eight in the conference. Uh, who knows? So really exciting to think about the uh, the, the rest of the season, maybe, Rob. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's exciting. It gives you a little bit to look forward to. I don't think this means that they're the favorite or they're going to contend, but to come back uh, and particularly given like if they're going to split it, to have them lose the first and bounce back with the second is good. And maybe that's just taking advantage of it. I think we could see a lot of that this year. Like yeah, weird, we've seen it, the women kind of on the other end of that yeah. in their, in their conference play already. Yeah. These are, I, I, you know, oh, we haven't both. seen it from Northeastern. That's what was interesting. Like, that was what was interesting. Yes. Yeah, they had been locked down Yeah. They've and, been able to avoid that. And some of the intensity lapse lapses that we've seen with other squads or with the Jamie women, you know, where you, you have a big win on Saturday and then come back in a little bit flat on Sunday. And before you know it, you're out of it. Um, Northeastern has not demonstrated any of those tendencies. So it was just, it was a good win. I was very excited about it. It just looks to me, Rob, and we'll talk about this in the men's basketball breakdown later, but it looks to me like this team has the, there is enough talent on the floor to compete if they, like if someone, if, if they get enough offense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there have been years in the last 20 where there might, I, I felt like there were only two or three guys on the court at any given time for JMU that really belonged in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in a game at this level. And I don't feel that way with this group right now. There's six or seven guys. I mean, we saw Christmas hit a big shot yesterday. There's a good number of players who feel like I'm not going to like panic if those guys are on the floor at the end of the game. Um, so, no, I mean, and kind we, of, we certainly saw this under Rowe, but I think we saw it even under Brady. There were guys who really just didn't look like college basketball players. That's what it was. That's what you I kind of I mean. It's like, yeah. You're like, oh, and sometimes, and I'm not going to name names, but there are even some guys who played significant minutes who you're like, this person doesn't look like he should be playing night in and night out in, in a mid major. Um, no. you know, it, was, it was weird. So, yeah. And uh, so that's exciting for, for men, the men's hoops team. And we'll be looking at lo- looking to be excited on Wednesday for them. Rob, I did want to mention a couple other sports notes before we move to the fun part here, which is lacrosse. I keep forgetting that there are other sports besides football yeah. and you know, and basketball that are getting ready or are already playing. I thought it was at least worth mentioning that track and field um, is up and running. <laughs> they literally running. Uh, they, <laughs> I, I, they were at Liberty last weekend. They're going to VMI this coming weekend. Um, you know, we don't follow that too closely, but I just, you know, you root for those kids in this tough year and, and, I'm happy to see them out there. Uh, softball, I, I don't know. And this is my one very polite ask of JMU, if anyone happens to catch this, is I couldn't find out like when softball or baseball are actually kicking off. Um, I assume they're playing at some point. I think but, I And they may not know from a schedule standpoint. Yeah. But I did see like there was an article about Kate Gordon and CC Alexander being named to the like top 100 nationwide players going into the season, which is kind of exciting, but I just didn't know what the story was. And the other thing that came up was we got emails this week from the Duke club about, uh, at least in my case, like, or whatever, you know, it's the start of a new year, setting up your new payment plan or your new, whatever you choose to do. And, but I've kind of usually kind of lock that in, in conjunction with 
what we're thinking about football and parking and stuff like that. Yeah. And I recognize that like the university probably doesn't know, they can't be sure of anything more than I can. Um, but it would be good if there's something on the website. And I just, I asked that in the politest way possible um, to sort of give people an indication of when things might be gonna, um, you know, if there's going to be information out there as people kind of look forward to hopefully watching all of those teams and <laughs> play at some point this year. I think I read something about a couple of the early season tournaments that the women were supposed to play in in softball being called off. But yeah, that's what I would think. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I can't find anything now that I'm looking for. Yeah. And the, the one sport that the other one other sport I was going to mention that is a little more at least they're making an attempt at some concreteness is lacrosse. Uh, the women's team, the top 25 came out and the women's team is preseason number 10 in the nation, uh, which was a little bit of a surprise to me. Just, I mean, I know they're, they have been good and are good, uh, but that seemed pretty high to me. So well, kind of, kind of yeah, exciting. It, me too. But remember when, when coach Shelley was on the podcast, she said that a real recruiting bump we'd start to see this year. Yep. For sure. Last, you know, it was so by the time, they made the run to the national championship. Recruiting was over. And yep. so she said it was going to pay big dividends. And then who knows what's going on with, with COVID and how that affected recruiting going forward. But um, so, yeah, it could be an influx of talent. Plus they've got, you know, well, they've got a yeah. already and they've got some upperclassmen too, that are, that are quite, yeah, talented. I mean, with Doherty and maybe they have two all American preseason, all Americans on yeah. defense, plus Emma Johnson coming back for her fifth year on defense um, for a program that has, you know, when they won the championship a couple of years ago was largely focused on their ability on the defensive end, you know? Uh, so yeah, really exciting. And the big news for them is they are supposed to start the season on February 13th. So really soon uh, at number one, preseason number one, Chapel Hill, as they have been the last couple of years. Um, they've had a kind of an ongoing back and forth series with Chapel Hill, uh, who they beat back in the semis to, to win the championship and lost pretty handily last year. So a real test early. And I did look at their schedule. They're only playing a 13 game season, which is not, it's not like way trimmed down from usual for them. Um, but they really, they play three ranked teams in that 13. So they play Chapel Hill, UVA and tech. Uh, you know, it's possible. There's a couple other traditionally good programs on their schedule, like high point um, who could end up being ranked by the time they play them or something. But they need to make hay at, at least one of those opportunities, I think, you know, as the season comes along um, to if they're hoping to go to the postseason, which we certainly hope they are. So just something for people to keep an eye out for because it's coming in two, three weeks. And I didn't I wasn't thinking about that at all. Um, but preseason number 10 is pretty cool. So looking forward to our last championship team retaking the field. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's. You got anything else there, no, Rob? It's, it shocks me that this stuff's happening so soon. I, I, time hasn't really moved, and calendars have been largely irrelevant. Yeah, from a fan it's, standpoint. Yeah. Guessing, but it's really weird. It's like, oh my gosh, spring sports. It's like, I feel like it's winter's just starting. Yeah, I'm sitting in the same chair in the same location that you you know that we were like yeah. back, back in the end of March when we were trying to come up with something for the podcast. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. For, from a fan perspective, it's, it seems crazy, but I, I do know, I, I actually have to laugh because over Christmas I did, I have a, uh, I have a friend. I, I don't want to, 
have a friend who's friend of a friend kind of whose daughter plays for Northwestern lacrosse right now, who is the preseason number four in the country. Uh, and it's traditionally a very good program. And they have made some jokes and, and they, they've talked a little trash about, about JMU's little run in 2018 being a fluke and they're not going to repeat, and, you know, ugh. <laughs> it's just, yeah. But, um, like to, it, it's funny because to me, I did see them over the holidays briefly, and um, for them, it was very much like, "Oh, season's coming up, kids are getting ready," mm-hmm. you know, because they're much more in tune with this. And for the rest of us who are not connected to it, it's like, "Oh gosh," you know, yeah, yeah. So that'll be fun. So, Rob, you want to introduce us to our fun topic tonight on hoops? Yeah, um, we didn't discuss this, so I'm curious to see what direction you took it. Um, this comes from at Dave Butts suggested it all time. JMU starting five for players. We have seen play at JMU men's basketball, women's basketball and whatever point guard, 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 forward, forward, forward center. Uh, I'm, I'm not particularly hung up on the, um, positions. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm a big, not either. I'm a big proponent. I, I cheated a little bit basketball. on the women's side on the position. Yeah. But, were we, hmm. were we supposed to do four men and a woman? I just did one team and it's got men. Oh, if we do one involved. team, I, let's do one team. Yeah. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. So okay. I don't, are we doing this like a draft or no, the, you got it? Well, we got to set this up, right? That the, Oh yeah. We could do it like a draft. Cause that'll give us a chance to, um, to, to pick two players at every position at least. I guess. I, I don't know. Whatever you want to yeah, do. Just do it. I, I, the yeah, biggest thing is I've we got, have to set the stage by saying when you started watching JMU basketball. Oh, yeah. Right. I guess when was my fresh My freshman year was the 93-94 season. So the tournament run that ended the day it started. <laughs> but when they when they went to the tournament lost to Florida, um, the famous last second shot over ODU. That, that was when I first started. So tail end. I was there for the last four years of the lefty era and obviously goes all the way through today. And there's, there's a very big dead spot where I can't really recall anything that made me particularly happy about the team. So we're going to see, it's going to be the, the tail ends of the beginning of my fandom. And then the last probably four or five years. And I'm two years after Rob. So I didn't start till the 95, 96 team. And that's a big difference from the tournament yes. team that Rob watched. I have yes. a feeling he may have a tournament player yes. on his team that I do not. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, um, I did pick women's and men's, but I don't care how we do this. I, I mean, I have 10 people I'm happy to talk about. So uh, I, I just, I tried to pick a starting five and I've got okay. some, I think I can do it pretty easily. Um, so that, that will take off the, I can say this picking the women's team was very easy for me because there were three, four names that they just were on it. Like mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't really have to stop and think until I got to the fifth spot. Um, the men's team was significantly harder. I, for me, I only had one name that was like obvious to me. So, and, and he's not going to make it um, as we combine this team to the starting five. So <laughs> yeah. okay, well, you can take the first uh, position of any, you can go anywhere you want. Anywhere I want. My, my first pick um, and this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody who's listened to this past couple of years. Um, Lou Rowe, as a player, he's he's probably my favorite JMU basketball player. I don't get to pick Rowe because yeah. he's yeah. – he, he really – he had a game that would look very out of place in today's basketball. He was kind of a slasher. He had a very good 
kind of mid-range pull-up game. He could kind of take it from the wing and drive into the lane. And then not necessarily – he could go to the hoop, but he also could pull up, you know, that around the foul line, which is something that you just do not see people do nowadays. But he was an outstanding player. He transferred from Florida, so only played for two years, but really was just a dynamic scorer, incredibly athletic. Uh, I guess a lot of people have – have probably heard, oh, Lou Rowe is great. Lou Rowe is great because, you know, he, he wasn't really what we all wanted him to be as a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm telling you, the guy really was great. It, it wasn't people just trying to put a positive spin on some of the struggles he had as coach. He he was an outstanding basketball player. And they had a ridiculous lineup then. If you think they were so good, they were so good. Um, and you could pick pretty much anybody from that team. That, that starting five and make an argument for including him, but I went Lou Rowe. He was my personal favorite. So that was my first pick. I think that's a great pick. And I think he would have, uh, I just kind of brainstormed people. I had to at least consider mm-hmm. and Rowe is all of the reasons that I wanted to keep Denzel Bowles off of this team. Yeah. Right. Like he's what we all wanted Bowles to be except yeah, he's just yeah. better at all the. I mean, did all the same things well, but also did the thing, the other things. He was that make more you of a wing guy, but yeah, like he he was in the same sort of scoring gifts. Yes. He took it, but just much more committed to team basketball than the yes. Bulls. We'll put it that way. So my first one, and and this would this would be hard if I'm really choosing a true point guard from the two programs, but for me, Don Evans was a no brainer. Yeah, it was the first person I wrote down. Um, if you go back and look at the record books on the women's side, 11 of the top 12 scoring seasons or, um, or scoring games in the history of Jamie women's basketball were turned in by Don Evans or precious hall. Um, that it kind of, the, my big thing for me with Don was she played in the absolute, you know, crucible of the Della Don CAA era and is the single reason that. Deladon didn't just win every single game. <laughs> the single biggest reason Deladon didn't win every single CAA game she ever played yeah. um, is Don Evans. And just, there's no, I mean, she's at the top of almost every category you can think of. If she had played on a, a more, an even greater, and not that, I mean, her teams were really good <laughs> and we may see enough somebody else from her era at this point, but you know, I don't think her, I think her game would have adapted. I mean, if she was the sixth man on a ACC team, she would have shot a much higher percentage from three or from the field or, you know, like she carried so much load for those teams. In addition to being the star point guard, like, I don't know for me, she just, it, it, that she was one of the two easiest choices or I guess I had three really easy ones. And I, if we were choosing true point guards, this would be really hard because she might edge out my top, my top men's choice. <laughs> so, um, but Evans would be for me, definitely one of the guards on this yeah. team. No, that's, yeah. that's, it's a great pick. It's an obvious pick, but it's a great pick. You know, she, she was a walking bucket. Yeah. Um, I guess for my next one, I, I'm going to follow it up with another guy from Rose team. Uh-huh. Well, for me, you got to go Kent Coluco. Uh, he was not. <laughs> okay. I mean, the guy, he was a big deal. Like he was a big recruit. He was kind of a big man on campus, not necessarily because everybody loved him, but just he, he brought a lot with him when he was recruited, um, including his father who sat there at every game and made his presence known. Um, but I actually think this is a guy who I think would be deadly in today's game. You know, he, he was mm-hmm. a spot up shooter 
back when spot up shooters might take three threes a game type thing. Mm-hmm. But the guy could shoot from probably 25 feet in, um, mm-hmm. hit what I think is probably inarguably the biggest shot in JMU basketball history with the last second three pointer at the CA tournament. Um, and I just think he was, he was an outstanding player. He was a great shooter. Um, really complimented his team well you know he had Lou um Clayton Ritter was a very strong post player you had Rowe you had Darren McClinton was an outstanding point guard um it really was was a good thing but I think he'd be even better today I think he's a guy who you know could just kind of get up and down the floor and he'd probably be leaned on to take 10 or 12 threes a game um and I think he would just be deadly as a spot-up shooter in, in today's basketball game but I kind of a I don't want to say begrudgingly, but uh, he was an interesting guy. If if you ever were around him, we'll put it that way. (laughs) Um, Let's just say that. But yeah, but an absolutely a a terrific shooter. And I think, you know, somebody who deserves a shot, a a spot on this team in terms of for my generation, Um, if we're opening up years before him, yeah, he's, he's going to be the guy who probably fall off pretty quickly, but um, he's, he's one that stands out for me. Well, he's an interesting choice because I'm only really familiar with him from the shot. Yeah. So for me, he doesn't, you know, uh, row, there's a little more of that, that I sort of understand, um, where I didn't see him play. So I didn't see either one of those guys play. So I just, I don't have the, I don't know. And I don't have that perspective. Um, but I'm always interested to hear you talk about that. And I think you're probably right about the, the way his game would translate today. Mm -hmm. Um, and probably a little bit underrated at the non shooting aspects. Yeah. Um, people like me. So yeah, for sure. Well, I don't mean to make this, um, us going back and forth with men's and women's, but I, I think precious has to be the next person off the board. Yeah. I was going to, that's a little was, harder for me for Evans. And it's interesting. Cause I thought about Kamaya, but precious is just a better, <laughs> she was just a better version in some ways. And I don't mean that bad. Right. I, I just, She's on that list with Don Evans with all those scoring. I mean, every record in the book, they're the top 10 is basically the two of them. Um, and there's two other, I don't know, two or three others that I'd love to talk about on the women's side. But she, I mean, the 40 point games, the like 30 point games, nights against like, I, I don't, I was trying to think like, and against the best teams, mm-hmm. you know, seem to come out. I mean, yes, a bit of a volume shooter, but. Also, I think more pressure on her than the pressure that was on some of the, uh, like, I don't know how to say this. I just, the kid, I've, everyone was so focused on her on some of those teams that she played on. Um, and it's just, I'm so, sometimes it's just, yeah, I, I just, uh, it, she seems like an obvious choice to me. <laughs> Another just walking bucket anytime and can just, just really single-handedly flips the way, I mean defined the way that JMU played during her starting career. So for me, she's the next, next one. Okay. Then I'm going to go ahead and grab Kamaya because I see where this is going. Oh, you are. I actually, I I think, um, is fantastic. I I think Kamaya is a good example of the changes we've seen with the team under coach O versus the team under Kenny Brooks. Um, Kenny, you said volume score, and I think that's when I think of Kenny, I think of um, really just volume score, building the offense around one person who's going to shoulder it and really be counted on just to launch, you know, pretty much have the green light wherever they are on the court. Um, it was very successful. That's great. Mm-hmm. 
my personal preference is the way that Coach O has it, where it's a little less about one person chucking up 20, 25 shots a game. Um, I think Kamaya is somebody she could do that if necessary, but she didn't need the ball in her hands as much as some of the other greats in Jamie, Jamie basketball history. Um, uh, she faced every bit of the pressure that that other people did that you mentioned, but she shot for a little bit higher percentage than some of the other Jamie stars. Um, I just think she's a fantastic player and um, I don't know. And it's exciting to see her journey in the WNBA. So I'm going to grab her yeah. before she jumps off the board. That's awesome. So since we haven't even overlapped yet, do, is it okay if we each pick five here then? Yeah. We just keep going back and forth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Instead of just five. Um, yeah. That's, I have to admit, um, Kamaya didn't make my five for the women, but we'll come back to that in a second. I think um, the one for me was McClinton. Yeah. I think Jared McClinton probably, you know, like you're saying, he's kind of one of those guys that was in that group with Coluco and Roe. Mm-hmm where but then he also stayed like they were gone and he was carrying some weaker teams right at the end which would have been my start of watching the team and he was probably the first it shows you how how where the where the program dropped off a cliff is right when i got to jmu after rob had seen the highlights right because he was the first person i put on my list on the men's side and he's probably he might be third on your on your team, right? He, he was he was right there. He was kind of um, on the verge of like I don't know if I'm clipping it. I just I felt like I went with two other guys from his era, so I have him just kind of outside looking in. But he was a great point guard. Uh, really could score, could pass, tremendous handles. Um, He's also a tremendous ball. shooter. Yeah, like like we've had some great point guards in the program, and even some guys I really love. Like I. On my list, I, you know, on my brainstorming list, at least I couldn't help but think about Pierre Curtis or Ron Curry or Devon Moore. And but none of those guys were really great shooters the way that McClinton was. And that goes back to what you said about that team. You know, I mean, McClinton's still on top of the three point lists and stuff for mm-hmm. JMU at, or near the top. So, yeah, I mean, for me, that, that was that would be my next one. I'm, I'm I, very saw hard him, hit. I saw him a couple of years ago coaching the Kenner League. Um, he's real big in like the skills training in the oh, yeah. with, with a lot of the area high school prospects. So, um, okay. Yeah. He was, that's a great pick. He was, he was a fun guy to watch too. Mm-hmm. Just a fun basketball player. I'm going to go, and this is, it, it mm-hmm. kind of dovetails right with what you're saying. Not the best shooter, but somebody that I really admired in terms of the way he got better for all four years and how senior year, he really had to carry a team that didn't have much else. It was, when the program was a little bit of crisis and yeah. I'm going with Ron Curry. Um, yeah. It was really close to making my five. But, you yeah. know, I, I was really impressed. I thought he should have been player of the year in the conference his senior year. I really thought that he was just outstanding the way he put it on his shoulders and he came in and he was arguably the third or fourth kind of guy on the totem pole in his own recruiting class. Yeah. It was cook nation, him. And then um, who was the, the big man who transferred out? Oh yeah, I don't even remember what. Yeah, the, yeah. the guy who thought he yeah. could shoot threes. Yep. Or whatever. So Curry was just, you know, a guy in the class. It was a very strong class. People were excited, but I don't think his freshman year anybody thought, oh, this is this is going to be the star of the team in three years. And the fact right. that he was says a lot about how tumultuous that time was. Um, but just I, I thought it was just really neat to see his game evolve uh, and the way that he stepped up. Like you said, he wasn't a, a lights out shooter, but he could score. I, I love. Oh the yeah, way, you know, in the fourth. 
not fourth quarter, second half, because men's college hoop is the only basketball game on the planet that still plays halves. Um, he could just take over. He just he'd do exactly what I said about Matt Lewis. When the game was on the line, he just went to the hole and he was either gonna get the bucket or go or get to the line. So he's a guy that I just really enjoyed and I, I almost feel like his talent was a little bit wasted at JMU. Um, it, I, I remain convinced that if he, Nation, and Cook stayed yeah. together all four years, they would have had you know, at least another tournament, if not mm-hmm. two. And I think they had the potential to go to the tournament and win a game or two, um, which is mm-hmm. nothing that has really no. been fun at JMU since the 80s. Yeah, that's a tough call. And, and Curry's one I really thought about. Um the hard thing with him was just you're right about his sort of place in the program is really important to consider because I think both him and Curtis, who I love both of their games, I kind of looked at their teams and thought they weren't probably like in my mind, there might've been more talented players on the same team, but that Mm -hmm. shouldn't really overshadow their contributions, right? Kurt Pierre Curtis played with Julius Wells and Denzel Bowles. So some of those assist numbers are, you know, you know where they came from, right? And Ron Curry played with that. I mean, we all think about that 13 team. And I think thinking about the the team that went to the tournament, he probably wasn't the number, you know, you don't think of him as the number one guy, but yeah, really does, shouldn't be overlooked. um, No matter what the story was with the players around him. That's a good pick, Rob. Um, where am I? What do I have? Two more? Yeah. Okay. Oh, this is going to get tough. Uh, I'm going to take Tamara Young. Okay. Then. Um, best shoe collection, too. Best shoe collection. This is hard because this is going to kind of probably, if I go to the men's side, it's going to keep me off of two women's players I love. Um, but Tamara Young is really the start of the real ascension of the women's program. This is a women's program that has, they have won a lot of games for many, 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 many decades, (laughs) like at various levels of competition. Um, But in terms of them being on the national map and the Kenny Coach O era really turning it up, um, she's the first player to to really start that in my mind, right? Of what I watched. Um, and everyone else that's come after her and her success at the next level, I think has paved the way helpfully for Jasmine and, and Kamaya down the road. Right. (laughs) Um, but, and she's just a player that I, I don't think there's any, if you asked her to like, if you told her, I want you to set the season record for rebounds, she would have done it. Yeah. Or I want you to set the season record for steals. She could have done it. But she had to do, you know, it was points and assists and everything was so reliant on her. And, and you're probably right about that's a Coach Brooks thing. But for me, I she she just she could play on any five, like in, in any era. Uh, you know, she's a person you'd want in your five. And that's what I I think I'll put her on there for me now. And the longest pro career. Probably. Oh, yeah. In terms of a WNBA, I know there's people. Yeah, in terms of longevity and yeah, yeah. Yeah, in terms of playing in. Sticking you know, in the league. Yep. Yep. No, that's a great pick. I think she's good. All right, I'll, I'll wrap it up. And yep. I feel like I might need to justify this one or sell it because um, there is no excusing 
his play on one side of the court. But <laughs> no, no, I gotta go, Denzel. I mean, it's it's probably in my mind probably the most talented offensive player I've seen at JMU, and. I, I mean, you and I played more effective defense. It was so frustrating. The, it's just, it, I felt like on any given night, he could give you 40 points and he, he could also give up 40. Like he just, he, it's like he didn't even cross the court to play defense. It was so frustrating because he got invited to big man camps and stuff like that with NBA players. And the writing was on the wall. People were basically like, if you just learn to give a damn or look like you care on defense, you're going to have the potential to play, if not in the NBA, in a top European league. Yeah. And he couldn't even, I mean, he's he's been very successful in like the Philippines. And yeah, yeah. God bless him. I mean, I'm sure, I hope he's happy and it's up to him. But um, I, I loved watching him play offense. And that was at the peak of the CAA, you know, going up against Kent Bazemore and guys like that. And he more than held his own. He was an absolutely dominant scorer in the post, just uh, had amazing footwork, very soft hands. And if the guy could have just done anything at all on defense, I, I think the team would have gone a lot further. And I think he'd be playing in, in a better league right now. So I understand he's going to be a guy that a lot of people don't want anything <laughs> to do with. And so, but you can't deny how just completely the guy was like Shaq in the CAA. Mm-hmm. Um, so despite all his many, many shortcomings in terms of defense and, and general interest in team basketball uh, he was such a dominant force on offense I, I gotta pick him that's awesome no i like that um i mean i hate it <laughs> so when i made yeah, my it also kind of highlights how, how bad our choices are we've got a couple well of and when i made my list for men's basketball that's exactly right rob i, I was thinking i was going to pick five and he was my fifth and I hated that I had to pick him, mm-hmm. but I couldn't really justify, right? So I've already picked McClinton on my team. I'm going to talk about another guy here in a second. And then I would have picked Juwan James and Chatney Howard. Yeah. Um, I thought about Juwan James. Juwan James is just a dude. I mean, just really good player. Like you, another guy like T.Y. that you would just want on your team. Um, Chatney that, Howard was a I, personal I, pick for me because that was my years at JMU yeah. and he was the only good thing about going to those games. And the um, other thing about Juwan James is mm-hmm. he played every game like it was the NBA finals on a he team did. that was, that was terrible, terrible. I mean, like it, it, it's a black hole of JMU yeah. basketball. Yeah. If, yeah. if other guys, perhaps the one that I just picked had played with one half of Juwan James's intensity, it, it would have been something different. So, Yeah. I think that's true. Um, I did want to make a special note. I, my women's team would have been rounded out with um, Jasmine Guathme, who doesn't have like all the stats in terms of career stuff, but you just knew was at times like that freakish athlete on the floor. I mean, just was the best athlete on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and thankfully, like in some ways was, is a better pro player than she was a CAA player mm-hmm. because of that, you know, um, at, and then the one that's that I'm going to drop off, Rob, I am going to choose a men's player for my last pick. Um, but the one that really surprised me when I really looked back at this and not is Kirby. That's that she's on um, my list. And what I couldn't believe about Kirby, who I think of as a shooter, like one of the best shooters I've ever seen mm-hmm. and a gifted offensive player was her. She has like two 20 rebound games. Yeah. And like, is it, she's fourth all time in rebounding. Like I wanted to choose a center, Meredith Alexis, Nikki Newman, KCW. 
I wanted to choose one of our bigger players, but Kirby was like the combination of game. I, I forget like what a, it's no wonder that team was so good. You know, it wasn't just a bunch of role players. Like she was really good. Um, but I'm leaving her off and I'm leaving her off for Matt Lewis. Yeah. Who in a lot of ways is very similar. And I really had to talk myself into this one. Um, but I actually would have put him maybe second on my men's choices. I did not have Kaluko or Roe to choose from. Um, it's so weird because he's played in this hideous era, right? <laughs> right? But he's right up there. And the he's like he had um he was he had three or four 30 point games going into this season, and now he's got a few more. Yeah. He's got a 40 point game. Like he is an interesting – he's all over the record books in various places with half a season to go. Um, it, and, and at the same time, in the Lou Rowe era, like, yeah. like he's kind of played out of position his entire career. Um, but I didn't really have much heartburn in picking him. And it, again, it probably shows more about the program's status than him, but – he, I don't want to overlook it. I mean, I don't think it's recency bias and because I didn't want to pick him because I'm like, well, they're not good, you know? But he's in every stat category up near the leaders too. And I think when we look back, we're going to look back on him much the way we do about some somebody like Ron Curry yeah, I was gonna say, or like Denzel Bowles. I, yeah. I didn't pick him because we still have essentially a quarter of his resume to go with this year. To go, yeah. I, in my ideal situation, I would be swapping him for Curry at the end of this year. Um, mm-hmm. the, really, the only thing I've got against him is he went to O'Connell, and I hate that score. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but otherwise, like he's a he's a great ball player, and as as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I really respect the hell out of him for sticking with this with this program. I think it says a lot about him as a person, and he's just yeah. an easy guy to root for. Um, but yeah, just it, the only thing that kept me from keeping him was the fact that he we still have his senior year to play out. Okay. That's good. Yeah. And one thing I keep wondering with him, I, I hope, I just hope he has a strong finish to this season because I think he's going to be a really intriguing player to watch if he continues to pursue basketball professionally. And I don't mean that like necessarily in the NBA, you know, I mean, I don't know where he'll end up, but I don't know. I, I have spent, you know, you know how I feel about UNCG and there's a guy named Kyle Hines who's, one of the he's a very similar resume from mm-hmm. a time at UNCG and it's like had an unbelievably successful European career. Um, you know, multi-time all-star has won the whatever it's called, the you know, Champions League or whatever, you know, like and been a leading scorer, like all kinds of really all over the place. I mean, would be well known if you talk to a hardcore basketball fan in Spain right now, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and has made like a 15 year career out of it. Yeah. And I think Lewis is that kind of player. Like he, he just, you could drop him into a starting five anywhere in the world and he could play almost anywhere. Right. You feel like, and that's, I'm I'm kind of hopeful and intrigued to see what happens with him. I I think he's set up where he could have the exact sort of career you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not the NBA and maybe he's a guy who chases that dream in the G league and, and hope it works out. Um, but I do think if he chooses to pursue maybe top flight European basketball, mm-hmm. he could play for a long time and be really successful. Yeah. Um, right. 
So I, I don't know. He, he's a, he's going to be interesting to watch these next. That's going to be fun. I think for mid-major fans, the next 20 years, because I do think that's coming like mm-hmm. more awareness of that. And there's certainly a career like you can make a career just starting in the last decade that you couldn't two or three decades ago. Right. I mean, just in the last 10 years now you can, I mean, if you like Kirby on the women's side, Mm -hmm. but if you choose to, if you're okay with that as your life and you give up your twenties to, you know, go live overseas and that's okay with you, there's there's like, you can make a really good living, you know, like, uh, I mean, so it'll be interesting to watch. I grew up playing with a guy, um, like played, actually played soccer with him and then basketball and he went on, he went to Duke, didn't work out. And he transferred to be a guy named Joey Beard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oh, he yeah, went on, I, I mean, he, he, Duke didn't work out for him. He was like a McDonald's all American. Um, went and played at BU was very successful at BU. I think he, I think he took them into the tournament, but then he played like a decade in Italy. Um, yeah, that's a cool life. Uh, you know, that's, that's a really good life. And also nowadays, similar to like what McClinton's doing, it sets you up for a cool career. Um, not saying this is what Lewis wants to do, but you, you go play in Europe for 10 years, then you come back and you run the Matt Lewis basketball Academy or something. Trust me, mm-hmm. I got kids and I, <laughs> I haven't gone down this road. It's not really for me, but there are a lot of other parents who are paying personal trainers and bat skills trainers and they're paying them big money. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, there's all these travel tournaments and everything. So like you can make a living doing that and you can have a pretty nice life for yourself. So. Mm-hmm. For our Richmond, Southside Richmond friends, um, go check out Daniel's sports performance. Um, that's my buddy, Nate Daniels that yeah. I went to high school with. Yeah. Um, and he, he played at Ferrum college and played a number of years in the arena league uh, football and kind of like, you know, bounced around some kind of minor league football stuff. Um, got a you know cup of coffee here and there in pro camps, but yeah, he's made a really nice life and, and is a really positive, um, you know, I just love him. He's a great guy, but has made a, is now you know, has set himself up for a really cool career that he loves. So yeah, yeah by all means. Oh, wow. Um, I, just, I just Googled Joey and they've got him listed. I don't know how current this is, but as an assistant coach at Emory. There you go. So, right? yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so Rob, our last thing tonight for overtime as we close it down is uh, we want to do something small and fun this time is what is your go-to snack or snacks of the COVID era? Uh, well, I actually ask my kids, my, my kids, I've got a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old. That is prime snacking age. And yes. And now that we're home all the time, we choose our own snacks. We're right? doing it. So I asked Sam, he, re- he made a list for me. Um mm-hmm. He got this thing from my mom. He asked for it for Christmas and my mom got it for him. It's, you know, those delivery services where you can get them for like clothes or you can get oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the boxes. Like he Bark got, Box or. Yeah. yeah. My mom got him one that snacks from around the world. Every month he gets like <laughs> 10 snacks and he's. Sam he, or James? Sam. Sam, okay. Yeah. It just, it arrived today, which is what made me think about it. And he's all excited. And it's got these, I don't know, some sort of candies from Japan and then some things from Portugal and also he said the best thing he's had from that was cookie dough Kit Kats and cookie dough Kit Kats. Okay. Kit Kats. He gets a lot of Japanese Kit Kats and these things. I've never been to Japan. I've been to the airport, but I've never like set foot. 
it's like Kit Kat heaven, supposedly. They've <laughs> got like literally hundreds of flavors um, and they go crazy. I've got friends who've lived over there and they say it's nuts. But, so Sam said, he said his list was cookie hat, uh, the cookie dough Kit Kats, hot Cheetos. That's a big favorite. That's been a big one for us. Yeah. And then he said, Route 11 Chesapeake crab potato chips. A little too salty for me at this point. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I'm a huge Route 11 fan, and I love, still love the dill pickles. Shout out, Megan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the crab is a little too much. The the Utz crab chip is more my my I style. See, I like Route yeah. 11. I even like the Mama Zuma's Revenge or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like all those. So Sam said that, and then fruit. Like over the summer, um, mm-hmm. Jess and the boys lived up in Newport, and they would go blueberry picking like once a week and mm-hmm. Sam and James can both like eat their weight in blueberries. So he said fruit, watermelon, blueberries in particular. Then I asked James and he said, hot Cheetos, popcorn. This is going to sound weird, yeah. but in the summer, James and I lived on tomato sandwiches. We were having them like two or three a day. Nice. Um, nice. It's like sometimes for lunch, but often just for a snack, we would just go. Mayo? Yes. Yes. A little bit of mayo and on bread, salt and pepper. And you're good to go. Um, and now he's a big fruit guy. So in the summer it's watermelon, blueberries. And now in the winter he eats oranges, like they're going out of style. So that's for him. I would say for me, it was probably popcorn. We eat a lot of popcorn. Um, whole family likes it. We could, but basically in the summertime, it's fruit for me. Like I I just, that's all I eat in the summer. And considering I was home and never really leaving my backyard, I ate watermelon, strawberries, peaches, is what I survived on from like May through September. And then now it's, I'm like a, I'm kind of a grazer, like whatever. We okay, have, yep. I'll just get a handful of this handful of that. Eat a lot of the pretzel thins. You know those? They're not like regular pretzels. They're like half pretzel, half. Yes. Steak. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Eat those. And then this one that I just thought of, it's like genius marketing. Um, the bark thin snacking chocolate, which. Oh, it's like, it's basically like, it's like the bark that you get at Williams. Yes. But they put it in a bag and they call it snacking chocolate, I guess, to make people think it's somewhat healthy. It's like clean coal or something. Right, 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 right. right. Just, let's just take something that is not meant for snacking and we'll just try to, you know, give people enough plausible deniability so they can pretend like it's not just getting handfuls of candy. But um, I, I gladly got on board with that and I like the bark thins snacking chocolate. So Nice. What about you? I like it. My early last year, when we started working from home, um, Cheez-Its came back into my life big oh, time. We, we just threw a couple boxes. The extra toasty Cheez-Its. Mm-hmm. And I actually had to like stop myself after a while. I, I'm not a big snacker usually. I like it, it in the past when I've been in the office. But of course, you're, when I was home last year, this year, I have snacked more. Um, and Cheez-Its were around. Yeah. I, so Cheez-Its for sure. Um, one that you got me going on. I only have three. Um the summer, Rob, I think at some point you mentioned this, but those, um, the Grillo's pickles. Yes. The spicy pickles. Oh, yes. Those are delicious. Those are, and you can put them in a beer. You told me, I think I got it because you said you could put them in a beer or something. Yeah, put them in like um, an ice cold domestic crap beer. And it's actually pretty good. It's a little. Well, the other funny thing with this is I, this year has gotten me back to like, like I'm basically a Safeway shopper again. Yeah. Like, like, a, you know, occasional Costco trip or something, but I don't really venture out to Whole Foods or somewhere that's not really close to my house because I'm not like just, I don't know. I'm not just going to go there for a random reason, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and it's not to or from work anymore. So it's pretty much like the Safeway or the giant right by my house now. 
So those pickles are available. Yeah. And and I don't feel it's bad about snacking grazing on those in the afternoon. No. As some other thing. That's why I'm with fruit um, too. Like I but like I feel bad about myself if I house an entire box of Cheetos. Yes, me too. Yes. Or yes. cheeses or a bag of Cheetos. And like with two boys in the house, if we open a bag of any sort of chip or Cheeto or even cracker, it's pretty much gone, gone that day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and I don't do great. So I love ice cream, but I don't like to eat a lot of it. I'm not great with it. And I, um, this year I just can't have it around. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, but if you want a little bite of the other, the one last thing for me this year has been, um, gummy bears, but specifically the Albanese ultimate gummy bears. I don't know. So it's something I hadn't had in a long time. And then I don't know how, like some pack of these came into the world back in the summer and now that's the thing like i feel like i can have like a little handful of you know three or four gummy bears whenever i want something sweet yeah. uh, which is probably terrible too but that's been another thing this year on my snacking um that that's come back nice. that i love nice. yeah so. and then we, we got to do this this is kind of late breaking i know i'm springing this on you trip hughes has sent this the past couple weeks <laughs> said renewing favorite winter beer suggestion or favorite winter cocktail or beverage so Ah, you got anything that's jumped out that you? I do. Um, that's really good. Um, try to think. Beer, come back. I don't know if you have a beer off the top of your head yet. The the beer that stood out for me is really I I had it. You actually that Resolute by Brothers in Harrisburg. I I'm a big fan of like these kind of trophy stouts, you know, that or, or KBS, you know, the ones that everybody kind of seeks out. That's one I never had. It was e- easy to find for the first time up here. Mm-hmm. And I got a four pack of that. And it's, it's a, it's a one a night sort of beer. It's like 13 or 14%. But man, that was delicious. I, I really that's like that. That's really good. Well, so you know that I, when we did the, um, this is really good. Cause I thought about something else. Uh, Paula had suggested a while ago that we do a Duke theme cocktail. Mm-hmm. Right. If we if there was a JMU cocktail, what would it be, and what would you call it? And you correctly named it the twenty one sixteen, and I think I had come up with the nor'easter. I was on this little kick of them, which is bourbon, ginger beer, um, lime juice, and maple syrup. But the maple syrup gets a little like you can't go on a kick with that for too long. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I remembered that actually at the um, the hideaway in Harrisonburg which my friend, I, I know the guy now, Aaron, uh, who runs that place, which is like the Jack Brown's folks, because um, they come to Bryce a lot. Uh, they do a bourbon drink down there that's very similar. Theirs is called a horse feather, but I don't remember what, I, I don't know if that's like the name, like a common name for it, but theirs is bourbon ginger beer. So the main two ingredients are the same, but then theirs is bitters and lemon juice. Ooh. And that's been a really good one. Um, this year. And then the other thing I guess I would just generally say is I have really enjoyed, I'm not, I have not been a big bourbon person. You know, I like gin cocktails usually. Um, but Angel's Envy overall is one that I've really enjoyed this winter because I, I'd had Blanton's before, but you're not just going to like drink that on a random night kind of (laughs) financially. Um, and my brother-in-law got me one of those, like, I think it's called Jefferson's Ocean. It's like a gimmick where they, I don't know, it like travels around the world on a ship to age. I, I don't know what it does. It's very good too. I'm just saying like, 
I was looking for something that was like a slight step up from like Makers or Four Roses, mm-hmm. but not breaking the bank. Not, if it's something I, mean, I have not, one not of. Yeah. Yeah. It's something I have one of a week and Angel's Envy is where I definitely ended up this winter. So yeah, nice. those would be my, yeah. You ever drink hot toddies? You know, it's funny. I, I really don't because of the, uh, um, this was a joke. <laughs> you know, when I worked at the, the Boulevard Wood Grill in law school, um, we had like a hot toddy drink on the menu that everyone made fun of. You know, that was yeah. my joking name at the bar right yeah so yeah yeah, the other bartenders like to make fun of that yeah (laughs) but no i don't have you enjoyed that this i i really like i don't know if i've had one this winter i might need to change Mm -hmm. that um it is it's a good it's a i like it i I make mine pretty simple it's just hot water bourbon or scotch i always use bourbon and then honey and ginger and lemon and i i love them i think they're great like they just feel good on if you sore throat i I, Jokingly say that I use them if I feel a cold coming on. I, I have them. People <laughs> affect otherwise. I swear, I always feel very like English Irish of you, Abbott. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, oh no, the bourbon will kill the germs or something. Uh, right. Probably not the healthiest thing, but uh, right. it works. Probably, probably placebo effect. But you know, I really like them. They're good. Settle in. Um, it's got to be cold. You know, cold outside, obviously. But piping hot, if you're ever outside, like around a campfire, it's a good drink for that. So definitely not something you're going to have, you know, every night, every week, but a couple times a winter. Yeah, I, I love yeah. them. Yeah, well, that's good. Well, so hopefully that is a decent run down there trip uh, for you. We should have trip on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, this was great, Rob. It was good talking with you. And I hope the women yeah, uh, have a good week this week on the on the basketball court. So we'll see what happens. And uh yeah, next week we will be 18 days from kickoff. Holy moly. Yeah, we'll have to break out the roster for sure. So, all right. I'll talk to you all next right. week, Rob. Yeah, have a good all right. week. All right, go Dukes.
solution to a problem doesn't pay that problem's bills. So they'll keep calling it illegal, keep pumping us with bills. Tell Roosevelt what the Bible Beltway did to his new deal. Yeah, we get low down, we get eyes tight. Lord, I wish I may, Lord, I wish I might be singing this song when I hit the pearly gates. Green strong tobacco town, USA. Green strong tobacco town, USA. Save us, he'd have done it by now. So we get low 